Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. If you are looking for vendor process training for you or your entire vendor team, head over to my site at DeborahRRichardson.com and click on the Vendor Team Training Solved button to learn more about what is included in the monthly or annual plan and also to download a 2021 training schedule. Get the training that you and your team needs to avoid payment fraud, duplicate vendors, compliance fines, and more. To avoid fraud, regulatory fines, and just overall bad vendor data, there is a lot to think about in the vendor setup and maintenance process. So today I'll go through five things that may have slipped through the cracks. Keep listening. Welcome to episode 133, five considerations you may not be thinking about for your vendor process. Think about your standard vendor setup requirements. The IRS W-9, W-8, the company branded ACH form, the vendor setup form, the invoice or a contract, especially if the remit address is different. So those are all the things that you require to be submitted. And then you do all your validations to make sure the vendor is real and that their data is accurate. And then finally, once you've uh, verified all of that, you enter the vendor into your vendor master file or you update an existing vendor record. Now here are five things that you may not have considered in this process. Now the first is global registration numbers. It's not just about the IRS tax ID. Um, For non-US vendors, you can validate registration numbers that are unique to their country to make sure the vendors are real and not fraudulent. You can validate against their regulatory agencies or where there is no validation resource you can still verify that the format of that registration number, be it a tax registration number um, for income tax or uh, sales tax or for any other type of identity number for a business or individual, you can verify either through that regulatory agency or if there is none, you can just verify the format. Now, I do have a global vendor registration number list for a hundred plus countries Uh, and I will put a a link to the blog post and that link uh, that blog post will have uh, the opportunity to purchase that for 25% um, off but again it's not just about the IRS tax ID Um, most countries have their individual or business uh, identity numbers or sales tax numbers or income tax numbers that you can uh, that you can verify against. Um, most notably is 
for the UK, they have that. Um, for India, they have GST. And I know those are sales tax registration numbers um, that your tax team probably really needs because they uh, really need because they need to reclaim uh, those taxes that are paid on the invoices. But there are others as well. So check that out. Um, don't make it just about the IRS tax ID. And I'll say one thing also about that is that if you get those W-8s, because you know the vendors never know how to um, complete those W-8s, if you get those and they have a strange number where the tax ID number should be, you can use that global vendor registration list numbers list to verify what number they're giving you. Number two, standardize your government vendor legal names. So instead of having multiple employees uh, putting in the state and local governments um, any type of a way, have a way for them to all key that information in uh, the same way. And so what I suggest is that you use town of, city of, state of. And when you use town of or city of, also include the two-digit state afterwards. So it would be city of Chicago and then IL for Illinois. Now, once you do that, you can use line two or the DBA field as the first, um, as the specific department. Um, you can also use the first line of your address for each specific department as well. It just depends on what ERP you have. So you can use um, uh, different, uh, you can have different departments then attached to the same vendor record. So now you can use that city of Chicago IL vendor record to pay the tax department, the garbage collection department. Um, I, I don't know whatever departments are at these uh, 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 local and uh, local and state governments. You don't have to have uh, uh, different vendor uh, vendor IDs. And plus, you want to have a separate vendor record, just one for every unique tax ID, if your system allows for that. And some of these cities, towns, and states, they do have tax IDs. So you need a way to add the multiple departments on one on that one vendor record for that one tax ID. And that's a way to do it. Town of, city of, state of, and then use uh, line two or the DBA field or the first line of your address for each specific department that you may have to pay. And that, by the way, makes it easier for your team members to search and find um, that the local government or the uh, state government is actually set up in your system and the same for your internal employees. It makes it easier to search the system to find that you already have them there. So it cuts down on your duplicate vendors. Number three is vendor supporting documentation. So you wanna attach all supporting documentation received to the vendor record. Now, if you've got a system where you can't attach it to the vendor record, then you want to save it to a secure drive where you limit who has access because that vendor uh, supporting documentation can have sensitive data such as the social security number on that W-9. So you definitely want to limit who has access to either the vendor record where it's stored or a secure drive where it's stored. Uh, the other thing, in addition to the vendor supporting documentation that you're given, 
Um, in addition to storing that, you also want to take and store the screenshots of the validation, such as the IRS 10 match and OFAC. Number four is the vendor or a vendor process audit. So you want to make sure there's an audit log of all vendor activity that includes the date, the time, the field changed, and the employee that made the change or the ad. And you want to audit a percentage of vendor ads and changes on a recurring basis to validate that processes and controls are being followed. And this is great. So you can make sure that all those uh, controls and uh, best practices that you're putting in place, that they're actually being followed. Now, in the past, I've used 2% of vendor ads and changes on a monthly basis uh, would be uh, audited uh, for each team member. Now, the vendor process audits can be done by your internal audit team or your management. It does not have to be with your external auditors. All right, the fifth one, uh, the last and number five is country and state level privacy acts. So if your company does business with a vendor that is a sole proprietor, individual, single member LLC, and whose tax ID uh, could be the social security number, you may need to consult with your company's legal team to ensure that the vendor onboarding and maintenance process complies with country and state privacy information acts. Now, I, as of right now, I know of three, but I think China has published draft regulations on uh, privacy, um, but that's not, uh, that's not something that has been passed yet. And so we're gonna talk about the three that I know of that have been passed. The first one, you're probably well aware of this one, is the General Data Protection Regulation, or GDPR. That was approved by EU Parliament on April 14, 2016, and it was enforced as of May 25th, 2018. Um, the enforcement of that regulation began with potential for organizations to be assessed significant fines for non-compliance. So I don't know if you remember that big push around GDPR uh, in uh, 2018, um, but I remember that. In any event, enforcement is required um, for vendors located uh, in the European Economic uh, Area or EEA countries, which is the EU plus some additional, I think three additional countries. But I'll have a link to that in the blog post to the European Economic Area or EEA country so you can take a look at which ones they are. Now, depending on the severity, um, fines can start at up to 10 million pounds or 2% of your company's revenue, whichever is higher. Now, the GDPR is very complicated. I am not an attorney and I don't purport to know it. So make sure you check with um, your company's legal team, but it does include any piece of information that can be used alone or in conjunction with another piece of information that can identify a natural person. And that's why I talked before about the sole proprietor individual single member LLC, especially when they're giving you their social security number versus their EIN. The second one is a state 
uh, U.S. State uh, Privacy Information Act, and it's the California Consumer Privacy Act, or CCPA. It was enacted in 2018, and it took effect on January 1, 2020. Again, consult with your company's legal team, um, but you need to make sure you know when to provide a privacy notice and additional processes um, to give those vendors located in California um, their additional privacy rights. Um, your company could be fined $2,500 if it was found to be non-intentional or $7,500 if um, it was found to be intentional per incident. Now, in addition to the, uh, the state coming at you, the resident can also bring suit and can collect between $100 and $750 per incident. And what the uh, state of California, the privacy rights that it gives to individuals are the right to know what personal information is collected, used, shared, or sold, um, the right to delete personal information held by businesses, uh, and maybe your business's uh, service provider if you have a third-party tool, uh, the right to opt out of sale, of the sale of that personal information, and then the right to non-discrimination in terms of price or service uh, when a customer exercises a privacy right under CCPA. Now, again, this may not affect you, but it may, so check with your uh, legal team. Now, the third one is the New York Stop Hacks and Improve Electronic Data uh, Security Act, known as the SHIELD Act. It took effect on March 21st, 2020. And if you don't comply, your company could be fined up to $5,000 for each validation. Now, the information covered in the privacy um, regulation includes any information concerning a natural person which, because of name, number, personal mark, or other identifiers, can be used to identify such natural person along with private information that can include account number, social security number, and biometric information. So it's, uh, it's the first one that includes biometric information um, per my understanding. But again, that's something that you need to uh, check with your legal team because uh, it may be something that you don't have to worry about, but you do need to check. I will say that when I implemented a vendor self-registration portal back in 2018, just as GDPR was becoming, uh, beginning to be enforced, we did add a uh, function so that anyone coming in outside um, of the U.S. or actually we did that for anyone that was coming into the portal. They got to self-identify their resident uh, country and based on their selection, we would apply, uh, give them the option or apply GDPR requirements and give them the option of not having their information in the portal. But again, that was just what we did. Make sure you check with your legal team uh, to verify if there's anything special you need to do for GDPR or CCPA or the New York Shield Act. So thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 133rd episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. 
Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy. Stay happy.